Hi, I'm Terry Modica, and I want to welcome you into A Pilgrimage of the Soul, a podcast retreat from Good News Ministries of GNM.org. You are entering into a mystical union with Christ based on the mysteries of the rosary for your daily life. This retreat was recorded in New Zealand during a live conference. Let's begin with a prayer to open yourself to all that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. Pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit, renew me. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me. Come, Holy Spirit, teach me. Help me to receive more of the Father's love and healing from Jesus my Savior. Come, Holy Spirit, you have my permission to change me. And now we're going to cover the Sorrowful Mysteries. And the title of this is Communion with Jesus Means Becoming Eucharist. In the last presentation, we looked at the beautiful orange tree that was bearing fruit. And now we have pruning shears and some pruned branches over here. Because the Sorrowful Mysteries are a time when our plants get pruned. And that's sorrowful, isn't it? When God asked me, as I shared last night, when we were having our second full week-long school of Catholic evangelization of Good News Ministries in my hometown, and I was just so thrilled of being God's instrument for something that was, I knew was going to make a difference in people's lives because I'd seen it happen before. And Jesus asked me, are you willing to suffer to become an even better instrument for my kingdom, a better minister for my kingdom? As I shared with you last night, my answer was no. But then I worked through that. And God worked in me to encourage me and support me and and embolden me to say yes. And I shared with you last night and some today about how a short time after that, our chaplain and and good friend for 20 years, Father Ed, uh, his alcoholism surfaced and became a problem and other related issues. When this type of suffering happens, it's an interior suffering. And the worst interior, the most difficult interior sufferings happen with the people we care about most, doesn't it? We have broken hearts. We have the deepest yearnings and the, the, the biggest crying spells with the people we care about most. And this is an experience of the sorrowful mysteries. The first time out of, it took three times of working with Father Ed to get him to the point, I mean, three times he got very close to having a turnaround and getting the help he needed. It would have been some good, solid counseling and, and be, belonging to Alcoholics Anonymous and, and admitting the wrongness of his decisions and, and purifying his life, and he was never willing to go that far. The first time he got real close to that was about a year and a half into that journey after God asked me if I was willing to suffer. Lent was just beginning, and my husband and I had the very, very difficult and painful decision to make about removing him from Good News Ministries 
active ministry because he was causing damage to us and damage to our ministry and to the people we were ministering to. And it, it was painful. And yet in that, I remained hopeful. I hoped that by drawing that boundary and saying, you can be part of our lives again and you can be part of this ministry, the good news ministries again, if you get the help you need and face your problems. We hoped that he would get it. That turned out to be a Lent that was difficult for all of us. But Jesus showed me, because it was Lent, God's timing is always perfect. You know, he uses time to help us. During that Lent, I really, for the first time ever, focused on what it meant for Jesus to go through the passion. The word passion means a very strong, powerful experience. What are you passionate about? What was Jesus passionate about on that first Good Friday? He was passionate about you and to everybody else in the world. And that's what gave him the courage, the strength to say, yes, Father, I, I want this cup to pass from me, but I will do it. The first sorrowful mystery, the agony in the garden. When Ralph and I made that decision to remove him from ministry, from Good News Ministries, not from the priesthood, that was our Garden of Gethsemane. And yes, he fought back. He, re- he did not like the rejection. Uh, he, he blamed us. He even preached that in some of his homilies. And you know, people who did not know what he was preaching about didn't get it. But I sat there in the pew going, yeah. Quit saying that, quit doing that. You're justifying yourself and blaming Ralph and me and you're not getting it yet. And Jesus used that Lent to take me all the way through from the Garden of Gethsemane to the crucifixion. And I'm here to tell you that after every crucifixion is a resurrection. After every crucifixion, if you're walking through that carrying that cross with Jesus, there is always a resurrection. But that first Lent, I discovered the power, the healing power of uniting myself and recognizing the connection between my life and what Jesus went through. And I thought about parts of the passion of Christ that I never thought about before. Like, what was it like for him to be in prison after they arrested him? The aloneness. I, too, felt very imprisoned in that problem that was going on. I felt alone. There were people on our ministry team, our core team, who left us because they couldn't understand why we would do this with a priest. There were other people who said, why are you continuing to try to remain friends with him? Now this was after Lent. For Easter, we had a reconciliation, and phase two began where there were three times when we did this. There were people who said, why are you still 
trying to work with him? Why are you still trying to help him? Why do you still want to be friends? You must be just as sick as he is. The feeling of being in prison with Jesus, the aloneness, walking the difficult journey when other people don't understand it, feels very lonely. I went through a number of aspects of, of the passion. What was this crown of thorns on my head? You know, it was the doubts, it was the accusations from other people, it was the things that are like prickly on the mind. So this journey of going through the passion of Jesus, with Jesus, is the most intimate way to be with Jesus. Because we need him more than ever at those hard, difficult times, those painful, sorrowful times. And Jesus is feeling our pain, and we are feeling Jesus' pain. What is happening when we go through the passion in our lives, when we're going through living out the sorrowful mysteries, is a pruning that we're going through. The other person may be the source of our pain, but we are also feeling the pain of being pruned because I had to make and my husband had to make the decision to love him unconditionally, to love Father Ed no matter what. And the parts of us that wanted to run from that had to be pruned away. We learned how to love the unlovable. Let me share something with you about what happens in pruning. I told you during the last session that my maiden name was Repture. That's a German name. It comes from the German word meaning grape shearer or grape pruner. Now what the grape shearer does, he's an expert on what grapes to shear, to prune away so that the other grapes will grow bigger and juicier and stronger. We all have areas of our lives that are good, but something else that's good is what God wants to build up into the juicy fruit that will feed the world. And so he snips away. If you're ever in a situation where you're doing too much, and you're, you're in this ministry at church and helping out with this neighbor and you're doing this and that and all, and you've got a lot of fruit spreading all over the place. God is saying, no, you're going to wear yourself down. You're doing more than I asked you to do. And we have to go through the pruning of which of our fruits need to be dropped away so that we can grow stronger by focusing on some other of the fruits. That's a pruning and it feels not pleasant. But the end result is a lot of joy in doing what the bigger grapes turn out to be doing. During my agony in the garden part of the walk of the Sorrowful Mysteries, God showed me how to continue to say yes because it's not easy when we're doing this. He gives us tools. He gives us thoughts. He gives us visions. He gives us encouragement. He gives us words that helps us walk this difficult journey. And what he did in regards to how I was 
seeing Ed, when I was like at the point of like, God, I give up. God showed me as I was crying out for help, help to be able to love him the way Jesus loves him. He gave me an image in my mind's eye of a giant gem. And it was many faceted and it sparkled with the light of Christ. God was showing me that this is how we are created. This is the masterpiece of God within us. We were made in God's image, and that image is a beautiful gem. And we're all born with that. But what happens is, in our childhood, muck gets thrown onto it. In Father Ed's case, having two alcoholic parents, there was a lot of mud and muck thrown onto it. Our sins that we do are more muck that's thrown onto it. And if a person collects enough muck on their gem, you can't see the gem anymore, can you? And God challenged me to remember that underneath the muck that I could see was a gem. The gem is always there. The muck has gotten rid of through the Sacrament of Reconciliation, through programs like AA or uh, counseling and therapy, a variety of, of ways. But we must always remember that when somebody is really irritating us, we need to see them through the eyes of Jesus, and that gives us the ability to see their gem. We need to remember that underneath the muck is always a gem, and that's who we're talking to. That's who we're loving. We're not loving their sins. We're not loving their alcoholism or, or whatever their issues are. We're not loving their anger. We're not loving their abuses. We're loving the gem underneath. And when you can grasp that and hang on to that, it becomes a lot easier to love them, to love the unlovable, and to stick it out when we want to run. The second sorrowful mystery, the scourging. This is when we experience the pain of our faith being rejected, the, the pain of rejection, especially when it's the people we want to help, like I wanted to help Father Ed. When they reject the help we give, when they reject the truth that will set them free, when they reject the help that God wants to give them, that we're trying to point them towards, we're being scourged because they, they lash out at us. They try to convince us that we're dirt, not fertile soil dirt, but crap dirt. Remember what I said yesterday, what crap really is? It's the fertilizer that helps our soil get rich so that we can grow something beautiful and strong from it. And that happens during the Sorrowful Mysteries. That mucky, crappy stuff. When we unite our sufferings to the sufferings of Christ, are transformed into new growth. Transformed into a joy that we, we may not feel happy, but we have the joy of knowing that God is going to turn good out of this somehow. Or the joy of knowing that God is still with me through this. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness relies on externals for a feel-good. Joy 
is an internal experience of Christ. If we're grieving the loss of something, we need to go through all five stages of grieving. We need to go through the whole full grieving process. We need to cry the tears like we talked about last night, the tears that are valuable, they're prayers. We need to go through the sorrow because Jesus was not smiling on the way to the cross, was he? Or on the cross. But yet, as it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy set before him, he knew that good, tremendous good, was going to come from his sufferings. That's the joy that we have internally, even while we're crying on the outside. That's the passion of Christ. The scourging is when people reject us. People recognize the truth. You know, when we're trying to help somebody, somewhere on some level, they do recognize the truth. But if they don't want to face that truth, what do they do? They find fault with us so that they don't have to listen to us. They find a reason to justify that they're not they don't have to be helped by us. They don't have to do what we're asking them to do if we're telling them to go to AA or counseling or whatever, or anger management therapy or whatever. So they scourge us. They put us down. They try to do whatever they can so that they feel better about themselves. So remember that when you're rejected, don't take it personally. If you're ever accused of something and you know it's not true, that's a clue as to what you need to pray for in them. People accuse us falsely when they see it in themselves and don't want to look at it, and they project it onto us. So don't take it personally. Say, ah, that's what they're feeling about themselves, and I feel sorry for them, and I'll pray for them. That's how you get through the scourging. The crowning of thorns is when our minds are attacked by doubts, fears, false accusations. Our minds are attacked. Our peace of mind gets pierced. The crowning of thorns is also when we look at the fruit, the rotting fruit that has dropped to the ground that I described earlier, and we mourn over the loss of that fruit. The carrying of the cross, the fourth sorrowful mystery. Remember what I said before about our burdens, our light, if we're yoked to Jesus? What crosses are you carrying? Jesus is carrying it more than you are already. It would feel worse if he weren't doing that. Even if you haven't asked him to help you with it yet, he's already doing that because he cares about you. When we carry the cross, one of the things that we need to keep in mind is, is it a cross that God wants me to carry at this time? Now remember that Jesus didn't go to the cross before it was time to, but there were other times when they tried to kill him. They tried to throw him off a cliff. They tried to stone him. They tried to, to 
they wanted to arrest him. They wanted, he was persecuted before Good Friday, before Holy Thursday. But he walked away because it wasn't time yet. Some of our crosses we're not supposed to carry. Some of our crosses we were never supposed to pick up. But maybe over some false sense, felt true at the time, of responsibility, we picked it up. Very common thing happening today that's an example of this is a lot of young adults are taking forever to grow up. And they keep coming to mom and dad for financial help. Or can I move in with you? Because I can't, I'm not keeping a job, so I'm not, or maybe, maybe they can't get a job in this economy. But they are taking longer to grow up than my generation took to grow up. And most of the people here, their generation, your generation. And mom and dad bail them out of the troubles they get into. It's a very hard line to draw. It's hard, you love them, and it's hard to know just when it's helpfulness and when it's doing too much for them. It takes a lot of prayer and discernment and studying the issues. But it's hard to know that it's not a cross that we're supposed to be carrying, that it really is better for them if they fall because then they can pick themselves up. Then they'll turn to Jesus finally. Then they'll say, you know, oh gosh, I better get my act together and get a job. But we don't want to see them homeless. So we say, oh, come on in, I'll take care of you. And they're in no hurry to grow up and leave that situation. We're not called to carry every cross. We need discernment as to which crosses we're supposed to carry. And the best way to get that discernment, first pray about it. I say, Lord Jesus, is this a cross that you want me to carry? And then you listen for voices outside your own head. You go to a counselor or a wise holy Christian friend or a priest. Somebody who can give you an objective analysis of your situation. Somebody who knows the issues. If you're dealing with alcoholism, you have to talk to somebody who has recovered from alcoholism or who has a spouse that has recovered from alcoholism. Remember what I said before? Our ministries grow out of the sufferings, the, t- the challenges, the lessons that we've learned. Whatever you have learned, if you have dealt with alcoholism or any other bipolar disorder or, or anything, what you have learned, somebody else needs to hear about. There's your ministry. If you need to learn about it, God wants to give you somebody who has walked in these shoes and will help you discern whether this is a cross to carry, and if so, how to carry it. God speaks through community. Remember what we talked about before. In the Eucharist, we are bonded to each other as well as to Christ. We cannot do it alone. We cannot go this alone. We need each other. We need community. At Good News Ministries, because of my reflections and my word bites, I from time to time get someone, and it just happened the other day, again, who is pouring out their life story to me, and they want 
me to tell them something that'll make them feel better and give them, point them in some direction. I can't do that by email. Around those people is a whole other part of the body of Christ that I point them to. You are for each other. If you belong to a Dove community, you have sisters in the Lord that you can turn to. If you're not part of the Dove community, let me recommend that you join the nearest one. They did not pay me to say this. (laughs) But I have witnessed the love between the people of the Dove communities. And I can guarantee you it's a love you need and will get what you need. I've also witnessed it in other forms of church communities. You need each other. You know, I'm going to go home to Florida soon. I don't want you writing to me with your life stories and all your pains and hardships. (laughs) Turn to each other. Go to your priest. Find a, a spiritual director. You know what a spiritual director is? Okay, it's somebody. For those of you who, who have never experienced a spiritual director, let me assure you, it is awesome. But you've got to find the right one. They're not all what you need. There's different spiritual directors for different people. The journey they've walked makes a difference in how they minister to you on your journey. So if you don't have the right spiritual director, keep looking. And you can usually find a spiritual director by contacting your church office. That's a good starting place. But a spiritual director is not a counselor, not a therapist. It is somebody who will help you see what God is doing in your life. It's the outside voice that confirms what you think God is saying to you on the inside. Or somebody who helps you see something in a new way, like that throw the net on the other side story that I told you about earlier. A spiritual director will help you know whether the cross you're carrying is something you're supposed to be carrying or not. And if it is, will give you encouragement and affirmation and support as, as you sort through and figure out how to carry this cross. Remember also that in carrying the cross that our burdens are lighter when we are yoked to Jesus. When we realize that the cross we are carrying, that we're called to carry is the cross of Christ, and he is carrying it with us. We are united to Christ more than any other time. During the carrying of the cross in Good News Ministries, not only did I go stronger in my ability to minister to others, not only did I become the kind of person that would enable me to be here with you, If it weren't for Father Ed being an alcoholic and causing problems, I probably would not be here today. In carrying the cross and uniting ourselves to Jesus, if the key, I just want to stress it, the key is to remember that you are united to Jesus. Look at your difficulties through the lens of the sorrowful mysteries and all the rest of the parts of the passion that aren't in the Sorrowful Mysteries. You've been listening to Terry Modica of Good News Ministries. For more faith builders, or to learn more about this ministry, come visit our website at gnm.org. You'll find online resources and lots more to help you know the Father's love and grow closer to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Visit 
gnm.org today.